Welcome to the Kershaw Podcast. A series of conversations with industry experts talking about how we supply and procure digital services. Hello and welcome back to this podcast. So far, we've heard from some of the original founders of the digital marketplace. We've spoke to some of the lawyers that allowed us to hack some of the paperwork and the important documentation that was involved. And we've also talked to content designers and communication experts. Today, we're really fortunate to be accompanied by Phil Buckley, Digital Director at the PSC, and Catherine Mulcahy, Chief Operating Officer at the PSC. We've also got our usual resident contributor, Warren Smith, Associate Director, at Kershaw. It's great to have both Phil and Catherine here today. Phil, thank you for sparing your time to talk to us. It'd be great to hear a bit about your background and effectively why you're here talking to us today. So my background is I've been at the PSC for about three years and so I have used the digital frameworks as a supplier many times during that period. But before that I was actually the head of digital transformation on the services front for the foreign office and so was on the other side of the table and used the digital marketplace many times as a procurer. So I feel as I've kind of seen both sides of this and how it works on both sides. And it's a subject which I think is surprisingly interesting, the ways which procurement can help deliver positive outcomes or otherwise for government is really interesting. So I'm grateful that you invited us. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Catherine, it'd be great if you could just tell our listeners a bit more about the PSC and what you do and the services you provide. So we are the PSC and the name comes from the term public service consultants because we're a specialist consultancy that works only in public services. So public sector organisations, supply chains. Our mission is to make public services brilliant. We're still a small company growing and trying to make big impact for the clients that we work with who share that point of view. And let's start things going with a look back at sort of the last 10 years. The GDS was created and Cabinet Office had these broader functional reforms. These laid the foundations for the current decade. What do you see are the fundamental success factors to enable all of government and the whole of government digital transformations to take place? Well, it seems to me that the fundamental success factors for any framework are almost in two buckets. The most kind of primary objective, of course, is to enable government to find the right supplier at the right price for the job and therefore get best value for the taxpayer. I think as I've kind of worked with the the digital frameworks over the years, I myself have kind of learned all of the extra value which a really good framework can do. In particular, adding things like you can see political goals being added to frameworks, including, for example, adding social value. You see a lot of now coming out asking for what extra social value will be delivered as part of this particular procurement. And so as a supplier, you have to think really hard about, okay, so what is going to be my carbon footprint for this particular bit of work? How can I make sure that's as low as possible? How can I help the people I'm working with in government to reduce theirs too? So I think the way that the framework is designed is a really great way of achieving not just the most obvious value for the taxpayer, but also these kind of derived benefits as well. I think one of the things I also like a lot about the digital market, that there's plenty of places where this could be improved, but they've made a really fantastic start is on the transparency of the data which they provide as more than any other framework which i'm aware of at least you get really good intelligence as to who is buying what how much are they paying for which particular departments tend to look for particular sorts of things and that level of transparency is so valuable as a supplier as i see it the kind of the fundamental success factors for any framework of course the most important thing is are you getting the best company for the job is the taxpayer delivering the best value for you other things which frameworks do which are incredibly useful they, they kind of 
take away a lot of the standard paperwork, which is almost always the same between suppliers and procurers, so that that kind of bit of work is done. And then I think that the best frameworks are those which also invite both government and suppliers to act in a particular way to deliver particular social goals, as well as a highly functioning market. And so particularly, we've begun to see a lot of procurements come out asking about the social value which can be added as a supplier. If you win this contract, what can you do to prove that you will help the government hit its net zero targets? What can you do to help us achieve reducing inequality or kind of poverty or things like that? All of which is a really powerful way of ensuring that government is able to deliver policy goals as part of getting the best company for the job. As I reflect on how the digital marketplace has delivered this, for me at least, it has been quite a step change in the way that frameworks have delivered both those sides, getting the best company and also kind of delivering further goals on top, partially because it has quite a broad framework of SMEs, so the competition is probably higher than it is in other frameworks. And secondly, because it's really good at the amount of data and transparency which is there, I think there's further which can be done there to improve it even more. But as a supplier, one of the things which DOS does do very well is to be transparent about where a lot of the spend is going. It's quite easy to go there and discover which departments have bought which sort of thing, how much money they've spent, how well they do things. And all of that is incredibly useful ways of getting the market functioning as effectively as possible. And as a supplier, that data is incredibly useful as well. I suppose as I've learned to work with DOS, I've discovered myself ways that frameworks can be helpful both to government and to the wider UK economy and society. You asked the question about fundamental success factors for whole of government digital transformation. I guess standing back one layer further, the point that in order to do digital transformation, it was still a new thing for lots of government. You need to bring in people who understand how to do it. Therefore, you need to bring in people outside government and suppliers and you need a wide range of suppliers. That's absolutely right. And I think the importance of a diverse supply chain in its very broadest sense is really critical. I think some of the ingredients of what we've seen to be successful in terms of the digital marketplace is how we bring user needs to the very front and centre of procurement design and using openness and collaboration as a form of helping to create more open, competitive and diverse markets where more than the traditional players in this space can have an opportunity to gain access to the public procurement market. And so I think that's really key around the skills. That's potentially a new set of skills that are needed within the commercial and procurement and indeed the contract management functions that represent the commercial life cycle. And I think there's some behaviours and practices and the culture that need to be celebrated and kind of called out there. The, the honesty, the transparency, the integrity and the confidence to talk about some of the problems that government is trying to solve, which get in the way of meeting the needs of the communities that government is there to serve. So it's great to hear that we're aligned on things like social value, the importance of designing in approaches that support the circular economy, reduce the risk of modern slavery. All of these things are really critical to help ensure that procurement can be used as a lever to achieve inclusive, equitable and sustainable policy outcomes that have a positive impact on in terms of the economy, social and cultural, as well as the environment.
Phil, it's great you touched on transparency and the fact that the digital marketplace, in your opinion, allows for that greater transparency. As a supplier that uses the digital marketplace, what has this meant for you as an organization? And does the transparency, even when you don't win work, does that help you develop as a company? Unambiguously, yes, it does. When the framework is working at its best and everyone is compliant with it, you actually get some extremely good feedback, even if you're unsuccessful, as to what were the reasons you were unsuccessful. And, you know, we track this very closely. We get as much feedback as we can. We kind of look at an answer by answer level. Gosh, have we done that differently? What happened? You know, we often give similar-ish answers because people ask similar-ish questions. Are we consistently doing a bad job on that particular question? So almost definitely the framework has helped us improve our offer to government purchasers and to effectively make sure that we are delivering what government wants as effectively as possible. So we do use it quite a lot and I think there's plenty more to come as well. At the moment, it's the purest spend data, which is transparent. And even that requires a fair amount of like homework to extract. I think there's plenty of headroom to make that data available more explicitly and more uh, computationally and to capture some of the other things we've been talking about and the levels of social value which are delivered as well. What are the sort of the areas you've seen in the digital marketplace that other governments could use to be more transparent, more open and fresh thinking with their procurement? One of the things which I appreciate the most as a supplier to the digital marketplace is the very clear structure of the procurement. As a purchaser, you need to say right at the start, I'm going to, there's a two-stage process. The first stage, I'm going to assess you on the following things. If you get through that, I will shortlist you and I will then ask you to deal with the following questions. So actually, you have a beautiful line of sight right from the start as to what the job is. You can make a decision as to whether or not you are the right company for that job, and that enables you to kind of tune your applications and effort as well as possible. I wonder if that is a valuable lesson for other countries as well. There are levels of anonymization which also occur with the digital frameworks, which mean that you are more likely to get new entrants and people you haven't thought of coming to the top of those particular procurement frameworks. Uh, sorry, the, the top of those procurements because it does hide the company there. It just guards a tiny bit against the idea that, oh, we worked with company X. We know they did a great job, so it would be easiest to give it to them. I think that's almost a natural part of human nature. You know, everyone wants to succeed and do a, a good job. Equally, I think DOS levels the, the digital outcomes and specialist framework in particular. I think levels that playing field a little bit for new entrants, not just other countries. I suspect even in the UK, we could benefit from even more of that. Warren, Phil there talked about new entrants and allowing them to come in. Was that something when you were responsible for the digital market? marketplace that you were very eager to lead on and make sure that new entrants regardless of size could come on board and present their skill set and their experience and how they could deliver great digital services yeah absolutely there was an overarching government policy and indeed i believe a manifesto commitment of the government at the time that spend with sme should increase to one pound in every three by i think the date was 2020 possibly extended so that was the sort of the policy drive of fundamentally we knew from the market itself that a bunch of things were getting in the way of achieving that target such as the complexity such as a kind of a lack of appreciation for the barriers that are presented to new entrants in helping them to not only understand the opportunities that exists for them to work with government but then actually going through the process of applying being evaluated and uh, winning the business so it was only really through that 
that user-centered approach where we had to balance the needs of buyers with the needs of suppliers to ensure that we could design out as much as possible the complexity and friction that was causing them either to not be interested in the government market or to be repeatedly fail in these endeavors. So I think that's a really important part of not only was it useful to have the policy drive towards greater SME adoption, but then practically on the ground, what were the differences that we had to make and the different kind of methodologies and approaches that would enable us to realize the ambition of what that policy was all about. That was the kind of key drive really. The kind of the cost to apply in DOS is much lower than it is in some of the other frameworks. That makes a huge difference to an SME. You know, Warren probably as a business, a beneficiary of the work which you did in that we are a small business. We have to choose where we put our energies and the, the work which was done to enable the cost to apply to come down. We first got onto a framework for management consultancy projects in 2010. And since then, despite lots of opportunities for discussions between CCS with and suppliers and buyers my observation is the main principles of how those frameworks sort of operate and are set up haven't changed much we've managed to get have a few fair proportion of our work through those frameworks but outside of digital quite a lot of that has been direct award rather than competed so it feels very different from what's happening in the digital world while a few things have learned from what i've seen done in the digital space like some of the documentation has become a bit more user-friendly the principles still seem to be the same in digital and even where they've evolved the way they ask questions on the consultancy frameworks that hasn't gone in the same direction with low cost to apply and the opportunity to demonstrate your ability in the specific area of work. The digital frameworks allow you to have this very short, sharp, really focused response for the buyer to consider, even if they might never have heard of you and you might not have written down all your wider ways of working. That's really interesting to hear. And I think there was a very conscious design decision that was made for both the G Cloud and the Digital Outcomes and Specialist framework was to not to have kind of a heavy evaluation burden at the point of creating the framework, which was largely generic questions, or as you say, hypothetical scenarios that suppliers, bidders were being asked to respond to, but actually pushing the vetting and the evaluation down to the buyers so that they could articulate what was needed and relevant based on the characteristics and nature of the projects and programs that they were working on. So what that enabled us to do was to lower the bar that was required which opened up the market but also helped to put in line with also some capacity and capability building endeavors through a community approach was to put more control and empowerment in the hands of the actual buyers. I think it works. It's maybe harder to say whether it would work so much beyond the digital space, but I think it is a complete change of mindset from what my understanding of a traditional procurement framework is sort of the government will look after some of the job for you, dear buyer, by giving you a narrowed down set of pre-approved suppliers that you can buy from and then you don't need to worry yourself about whether they're a stable company or suitably experienced in whatever way. You should just pick from this list. And the world's moved on so much that a limited list please just pick from here is almost like it's losing the ability to be competitive it's certainly challenging for SMEs. I think there are still some challenges in DOS that if it's okay I don't mind going through a little bit now so it seems to me that the beautiful reality of DOS which we've just been talking about but sorry the digital outcomes and specialists framework in particular is not always quite matched by the realities. Theory of it works very beautifully. The levels of compliance are very highly variable as we work between different government departments and sometimes you get very limited 
feedback or you get it late. Quite often you get um, what appear to be very highly subjective markings of the work which you've done but without wishing to give away any trade secrets. We concentrate really hard on our work and we try and do the best job we can. But we have seen extremely similar case studies for extremely similar questions been marked, been given both top and bottom marks. There is definitely a level of inconsistency, you would say, and probably still some kind of favoritisms are there a little bit under the surface in the digital framework have been a major advance. It's just that as with all things, there's still room to improve and you know we hope we can work with CCS to help them that. Great to have taken a slight sit back there and hear the three of you talk about your views. For me, I've taken three things away from this recent conversation. The transparency of opportunities, the transparency of spend, and also the transparency of who is successful in winning a competition. The speed at which procurement can take place and the speed at which bidders can put forward a bid and a proposal or equally can decide that isn't for them. And also something that Catherine alluded to when we talk about low cost, and that's actually the digital marketplace was constructed to allow low cost entry for new suppliers or those suppliers wanting to get onto the frameworks. So there's a low cost of entry for application of specific framework agreements, but also low cost to companies of all sizes from micro, small to medium enterprise and to large organisations, low cost for bidding as well. And it's great to hear that because at the end of the day, cost will be passed on to the taxpayer. And if we can make procurement through better documents, digital platforms. If we can make procurement easier and quicker while still being compliant, while still representing and achieving value for money, it's in the benefit of everyone. It's interesting now to move on slightly and get your view on significant change that's going to be taking place in procurement landscape. In 2023, we'll have the introduction of the new legislation transforming public procurement. I suppose our listeners would be keen to hear your top three important tips that practitioners who work with digital data technology and commercial teams should focus on to make sure that these reforms in procurement are actually realised and the benefits are delivered? I think we are only really at the start of what we can get out of the spend data. I think there's so much extra information around how many small and medium enterprises do each government department employ compared to each other? How many times do departments employ new companies? How competitive, how many different applications do each procurements get on the digital frameworks? And how does that compare to other frameworks? Are all like super interesting questions, which you probably can extract from the digital frameworks, at least now. There's a huge amount of work to do. And I think on top of that, there's the kind of being transparent about the social value generated as well, and kind of pointing to where that's definitely done would be an amazingly valuable thing to get even more value out of the procurement which government does. One of the things as well, which I think we would be a really interesting problem if the procurement green paper writers could have a go at would be that the biggest remaining barrier to entry which we come across quite a lot is the security clearance requirements on some departments. I think you've of course some of the work which is done by suppliers is secret or at least secret or higher I suppose you'd say and of course that has to be done by people who are vetted and proven to be trustworthy. It's actually almost impossible to get that level of trustworthiness unless you already have it and so I think there's a quite a barrier to good procurement 
procurement based around some of the other policy requirements of the government which they've got. So it'd be really super interesting to find out if there's some way that that can be nudged and kind of chipped away at over the next period. In some of the other frameworks, the consulting frameworks I've been involved in, there used to be regular kind of almost account management meetings. And with the digital frameworks, there are so many suppliers, I can see that that's not possible. But that DOS and GCAD both have quite short refresh timescales. They only run for a year or so before they do a refresh. But I don't think I'm aware of being asked for my input for the improvements each time. I think that to hold that conversation in a digitally appropriate manner, you know, engage the landscape of suppliers would be really good. Oh, I think it's really fundamental that there is a continuous uh, effectively a continuous program of capacity building using community-based efforts I've called it out before but I call it out again because I think it's outstanding work but buying digital community was set up purely around helping to develop the skills of buyers who use the digital marketplace to move away from kind of highly prescriptive requirements and traditional approaches to more outcomes-based approaches the importance of understanding impact and value in a way which is helping to meet user needs. These were very different kind of design considerations for the procurement and buying teams involved with the digital marketplace. So I think that's a really important point to ensure that the right outcomes, positive social impact and benefits can be evidenced for the communities that the government is there to serve. And I think the point you made, Catherine, around engagement is really fundamental, not only in terms of the framework design, delivery and continuous improvement, which is really critical also in terms of the buyers who are then using the framework. So we see still very much the case that good, genuine early market engagement is the exception rather than the rule. So I think that's something that really needs to flip uh, 180 on that. And because of the new regulations that will be coming in, I mean, there's a huge opportunity to truly embrace the art of the possible in public procurement. There's going to be a greater degree of freedom and flexibility. But my fear is that unless people understand how they can use that freedom and flexibility confidently and creatively to deliver good commercial outcomes I think people will just stick with what they've always done and that will be a massive waste of the investment in creating a, a more flexible legislative landscape so I think some of the key things there and it links all these things together is the, the importance of multidisciplinary teams cross-functional collaboration so that you've got the joint perspectives of commercial legal digital data and technology on definition of what needs to be procured how it's procured how it's evaluated and contract managed and um, so, yeah, I think I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing from the teams who are working on the, the procurement reform. And there's a massive scale of task ahead in terms of that training, capability building and capacity uh, building as well across the entire UK public sector. It's been great to talk to Phil, Catherine and Warren today and hear the views from a small organisation that is a an active supplier of digital advisory, specifically in the public services space, a supplier that's on the digital marketplace, a supplier that has been around its staff and founders have been around prior to the digital marketplace and has been open to suggesting improvements in the way the digital marketplace works. It's been also great to hear about the views of Catherine and Phil of how we could potentially advance some of the thinking. So thank you very much to Phil and Catherine from the PSC and thank you very much from for Warren Smith for joining today and we look forward to broadcasting another podcast where we celebrate the eighth anniversary of the digital marketplace. I've been your host, David Kershaw. Thank you for listening. Subscribe and stay tuned for more.